I would like to welcome everybody here to this uh, period of time that we have here together and for a number of you it is a period of a weekend and for others for a longer period a nine-day period and in this the opening talk with you this evening I would like to speak about the time that we have here together and specifically with regard to the weekend itself. And firstly, I'd like to uh, introduce to you to friends who are co-teaching with me over this uh, weekend. And one is Yvonne from uh, Switzerland who has been assisting me on retreats in Spain and at the Gaia House in England for the last couple of years and I asked her to come here to Barry so that we might have the opportunity to work together and with you of course. And the other person is Jose who is a regular face at IMS and has also been teaching with me in, in Europe uh, and in England, which is just beginning to realize it might be European. And um, um, usually, uh, I am usually on a retreat and sitting uh, on the floor where I deserve to be but this time I find myself in a chair and I do hasten to add it isn't because of old age and nor is it the wish to uh, elevate myself into the guru realms. One might describe the situation that about four weeks ago I entered into what might be called an environmental impact study um, from experience. In other words, I was uh, out horse riding with my 10-year-old daughter and the horse that I was on and I um, ended our relationship um, <laughs> unexpectedly. And the effect of this was to, uh, the osteopath told me to pull a, a ligament and some rather heavy bruising on the coccyx. So... For the last couple of retreats, one in Germany and one in uh, England, I have been uh, relegated or elevated, whichever way you look at it, to the chair. I must confess I'm rather enjoying it, but anyway. <laughs> it would be a bit of a come down if I get well. <laughs> so in this, the opening talk with you, I'd like to speak a little bit about uh, the weekend period that we have here together and a little bit about the background to uh, exploration, which I do feel in life is very much the adventure of life, particularly if it includes both outer and inner uh, equally. <clears throat> when we give uh, consideration to the totality of life, it's not at all unusual for us to find ourselves 
sometimes moving backwards and forwards with regard to the location and the expression of our values. And there has been a long time, almost antagonism, between what does it mean to look into oneself and does looking in, into oneself in some way take time away from the environment, take time away from the world that we live in. And then there are, there are others who, while giving care and time to the world that we live in, do feel that there is an active neglect taking place of the inner life and therefore bridges and understanding needs to be found between what we refer to and call outer and what we refer to and call inner. And of course when we look at our world we can look at the influences that help shape our world and particularly at times when there are elections and, and the processes of democracy, if it can be called that, are taking, taking place, then sometimes we do look at the world which we live in and we look at the impact that human beings or, and sections of human beings have upon the world, both near and far. And quite often we would perhaps describe to ourselves and to each other the consequences of human behaviour in the form of political decisions, uh, the results of economic analysis, the values for uh, growth and the priorities that are given in various forms of uh, concerns, uh, wealth distribution, uh, use and abuse of environment, etc. And we see sometimes we don't actually interpret in that way, but we look from a more inner level, uh, a psychological model. And sometimes we, we will say to ourselves and to each other that the world that we live in is really the result, is the effect of how human beings relate and interpret life. And the various forces of selfishness and greed violence and aggression, fear and anxiety, all find themselves as psychological, emotional components impacting upon the world and that kind of impact, in a way, damages the environment, damages the ecosystem itself. And then sometimes we are forced to stop. We are forced to look at the the fact of our existence and we find ourselves sometimes living and having to face our own contradictions in life where we call for change from outside of ourselves. We expect a great deal from the leaders that we associate with, we make demands upon them and we find sometimes we on a perhaps smaller and less influential scale also live in much the same way. In other words, the forces of selfishness, of greed, aggression, fear, anxiety, 
are working and operating inside of us as well. And so it's not surprising really that sometimes we have veered in sometimes caring ways and sensitive ways towards doing something about the world that we live in and that can and does show itself in the forms of activities of body, speech and mind. Feel the three major areas of activity, body, speech and mind. And sometimes we have said to ourselves, I need to step back from all of my doing, all of my day-to-day concerns, whatever my roles and functions are in life, and just look at the point at where I am at in this period of time. What's my life like? What kind of human being am I? What way am I participating and expressing myself in this world? And I don't think that in any way, if I may say, is a kind of time away from action. I don't regard that as being a kind of withdrawal process into a a specialised environment and then from a specialised environment one goes back into the normal social or natural or city environment in which one usually lives. I think such ways of thinking tend to divide our world up too much and too easy. And I would say that you and I, as far as healing goes, healing the earth, as changing the psychological and social climate towards uh, an integrated life, is one which must equally include this particular environment as much as any other. Healing and well-being insight and revelation can occur anywhere. So I don't think of coming here for myself, and hopefully you don't either, as a kind of withdrawal from normal circumstances of life into one situation and then after a couple of days or nine days withdrawing back out of it. Life is going on equally. doesn't know such divisions anywhere. There's no withdrawing from life, separating from life at IMS or anywhere else. Just life has this unusual and rather precious, perhaps vulnerable capacity to reveal and show itself equally anywhere. Right now we are here no withdrawal, we are here. This is our immediate environment. Healing can take place here. Insights, revelations, here. (coughs) One of the essential considerations for the awareness of, of life does have to uh, be of such an order that the ethical values really give support to meditative awarenesses. If we ignore or neglect the ethical considerations 
in life, then, in a way, I think it makes a mockery of living. And what I think sometimes tends to happen all too easily, that we have in our society, which becomes increasingly more analytical and increasingly more cerebral and knowledge orientated, that the sheer number of words which get used with ethics and values tend to obscure and hide simple facts of human relationship, environmental relationship. And we know that there is tremendous arguments and debates on the sometimes complicated life and death issues, beginnings of life, ends of life, where the line is, where it isn't, who makes the decisions, etc., etc. And I think sometimes it can be extremely difficult and rather painful and certainly sometimes quite confusing. And I think rather than get lost in, in a lot of sometimes the excesses of cerebral interpretation, that there are guidelines for us which we might reflect upon, not as moral injunctions in life, but to look deeply into our heart and into what that means. And that includes, of course, the areas of undertaking the commitment to be free from destruction of life, the killing of life, the taking of life, the giving of support to the taking of life. Undertaking to be free from stealing. And that essentially means that which one sees and understands to be in the ownership and in the possession of another. Undertaking to be free from sexual abuse and that those forms of intimidating behaviour which cause considerable pain in our world to other people. Forms of uh, speech lying, speech, the, the corruption which can take place. And the fifth one, the abuse of uh, alcohol and drugs. And what we see with these basic ethical guidelines, common of course, and frequently espoused in the, the Buddhist tradition, is that, that each one of them, in fact, is a kind of social statement. It's a kind of statement about a person's relationship to their environment. And if a person says to themselves, I want to live in a world which is free from killing, stealing, sexual abuse, lying, abuse of alcohol, drugs, I want to live in a world like that, and that is a value, then, then I think we need the support both from inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves that the value can be manifest, can actually be part of what we live. And it is no easy undertaking when we are challenged with one of those to see whether that within us there is the awareness and the dedication to making that part of our environment, that value, to embed it in the environment. 
And, that thing, and sometimes we see that it needs a great deal of sensitivity and understanding as well because of the power of self-interest, because of the power of insecurity, because of the power of addictiveness. And that also has to be understood sensitively and respectfully with regard to the concern for such ethical considerations. Sometimes we keep them simply by not having to be hassled with any of them. That they don't actually have to be a, a consideration in our life. But I'm sure at different points in our lives we are faced with decisions with one or more of them. And as the Buddhist said on a number of occasions, the gold gets tested in the fire. Such areas, both from one's own personal interest as well as from the, the larger interests, national and uh, global interests, also I do think are worth our ongoing commitment and reflection upon in life, particularly when we live in social circumstances in which there is often an encouragement and an endorsement for either personal or national or, or larger concerns, to actually ignore any one of them. Because it suits one. So spiritual awarenesses in life, in a way, is to explore, to go deeply into life, and even to be willing to explore what it means to go beyond the ground, to enter into the ground, into the field, which goes beyond what suits one. What, go beyond what suits self. <clears throat> With regard to meditation, which I... I suppose I would have to say this, being a meditation teacher, um, have regard as being somewhat indispensable to a life of uh, awareness and a life of uh, uh, insight. And so when I speak of meditation, I don't specifically have in mind the form, method and structure and technique suitable as it might be, but rather a meditative awareness in life in which we as human beings are willing to make time to see the emptiness of our roles. This is what I call meditation. It's the dumping of one's uh, self-constructed appearance. And sometimes, just as in here, as a reminder to us as well as elsewhere, the various roles that we carry in life really don't have any real relevance. We may have a role as a parent, we may have a role as a, as a teacher, as a, as a partner, employer, employee, student, and various other roles and commitments that we have. We notice with perhaps an alarming degree of repetition much of our obsessing in life and our preoccupation in life 
actually hinges around our particular roles. We have made with each other, unfortunately, a huge fuss about the roles that we have. Constantly going on about them, constantly dialoguing about them, constantly complaining about them, boosting them up, living in the pleasures and the fears of them. And it's like sometimes we don't know any life except the life tied in with the role. So meditative awareness is those moments, and they might be brief or not depending on one's realization, those moments when the role counts for absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And sometimes, indoors and outdoors, sitting cross-legged in the chair, drinking a cup of tea, getting out of bed in the morning, taking a step when one foot touches the earth, all the accumulation of role and identity upon which self depends for its existence doesn't seem to be of any essence. And sometimes we are touched in life by a, a certain quietitude of being, a certain uh, silence and stillness in which the mind in its movement and its role uh, obsessing simply seems rather empty. And those moments are very precious moments in life. Sometimes, as I say, we forget this. We are so tied up with what we are doing, even doing good. And spirituality is concerned with going beyond doing good. It's deeper than doing good. So now, being... being being here, just in actually stepping into IMS, and for some of you it would be the first time that you have been to such a, a retreat centre as this, such a facility of this, and it would seem a rather strange climate to be living in and to be moving into. And, and sometimes, of course, the initial impact upon your senses will count a great deal. And it's not unusual, for example, with the, uh, the Buddha image and the flowers. I don't know whether they're real or plastic, but and, uh, other uh, decorations around the facility here that, as someone commented, it's a rather ugly Buddha image. Well, it's just another one of countless on this earth. But... I do wish to say, certainly as far as I am concerned, that I have no interest and never had, not even when I was a monk, in promoting uh, Buddhism. And therefore, the, these various uh, Buddhist artifacts, which are quite beautiful and I enjoy and appreciate to see, I don't think have any um, particular relevance to what we are here for. They might be reminders of something spiritual, something deeper in life, if they are well and good. 
If you regard them as a distraction, please, at best, just think of them as rather nice pieces of art. And therefore, spiritual life comes out of depths of a human being, might manifest in different forms, and one would like to think that the artists who have done such fine work and might add anonymously, as has always been the tradition in the best of art of the East, is hopefully coming from a deep place inside. And there are many other ways in which deep concern and deep creativity can flower. But for that depth of flower, we have to give up a lot. A lot. Sometimes in coming into a field of meditation and the exploration of meditation, we may arrive with various motives and various intentions for being here. And a very vital point of, a, of an exploratory and inquiring life is certainly one as the tradition has very wisely said, to be really acutely aware of our intentions in life. Intentions matter a great deal. It's not just what you and I do with our life, significant as it is for the effects on the world, on the environment, but also it is the intention which we bring to it. To give you a very small example, just over a year ago, though it's already slipped far too quickly back into public memory, there was, of course, the, the Gulf War. And of the many countless numbers of tragedies that took place before, during, and after the war, and as Herzog, the German film director, who made an extraordinary documentary on the impact, environmental impact on Kuwait, he said in his in his very somber, somewhat heart-rendering documentary which has been broadcast over most of uh, the networks in Europe in the last year, his comment on it was, he said, Kuwait became, became Satan's national park. And when one saw, as you will have seen, the film and the tragedies uh, of that just from the media, pictures and, and, and news, you know what it means. And there's one point, which just on point on the intention and the uh, awareness. One Iraqi soldier, I read this in one of your, your US magazines, one Iraqi soldier badly wounded was brought into a field tent and was being carried by a couple of young uh, uh, US soldiers. And the surgeon, uh, major in the US uh, Army came out of the field tent and turned to the uh, private so young soldier bringing them in and said, oh, you've brought in one of the enemy, have you? And this young soldier, teenager, 18, 19 years old, turned to the major and said, no, sir, I've brought in a human being. And I think that, to me, that, that simple situation kind of illustrated a difference between, say, being a doctor and doing a job, and being 
and a, a young soldier with an awareness and a sensitivity of a, a different order altogether. And we're concerned with a different or, order altogether and not with just doing a job. So in coming into a situation like being here and bringing one's intention into uh, this environment, one might say of oneself, if you're given some thought as to reasons for being here, maybe for to be the company of like-minded people, always a wonderful resource in itself. It may be for the reduction of some of the stresses and tensions, pressures and anxieties, which it would appear seem to be an increasing feature of human existence worldwide. And one wants to see whether meditation can actually contribute to that kind of healing again and sense of contentment and well-being which can be lost even in the most sincere concerns and activities about, about life. Others of you may come not so much with those intentions, but more to use the situation usefully as a barometer for one's existence. What's actually going on in, in one's life at the present time? And quite often we might find ourselves successfully or not quite busy with our life and the increasing demands that are made upon our life, but we don't get the chance to stop and look at just where we're at, how our, how our life is. Is there anything that we need to really look at and take notice of? Are there changes which need to be made in our life? Are we just drifting along in the guise of being responsible and um, effective and busy human beings? And all of the, your presence here certainly and hopefully concerned with those kind of intentions and those kinds of interests. But it would be a pity, a great pity really, to leave it at that, the contact with like-minded people, reduction of stress and pressure, the looking into one's life to see where it is at. Because the teachings themselves are concerned with all of that, but the unexcelled message of the teachings is liberation, freedom from egotisms in life, a life which is uh, joyful and expansive and one in which the power of the dualism of birth and death has lost its sting. Therefore enlightenment is the essential message of the teachings and that must come first and last. And everything else which I just referred to is a contribution towards that. We might say I'm working towards that. But enlightenment is the end for itself. Awakening, realization is the very heartland of the teachings. Everything else is not even second best. During the weekend, and of course in the days after, we will endeavour to give plenty of meditation instructions 
and as clear instructions as possible for all of you who are uh, uh, reasonably new to the field of meditation. In the sitting posture, it doesn't matter whether you use the chair, whether you sit cross-legged, whether you use a stool. I can talk from experience on all, all, all three. It doesn't make a scrap of difference, honestly, what position your legs are in. If the shape of the legs has got something to do with enlightenment, we're really up the creek. <laughs> so please, please decide for oneself which is useful and appropriate. It's a useful contribution that there is some stillness of the posture. And if you are feeling um, alert and awake, the eyes can be closed. If you're feeling some waves of uh, tiredness, then the eyes can stay uh, open. And initially we just give care and attention to the breathing experience, really in touch with inhaling and exhaling. And that is from the moment that the air enters the nose, goes down into the lungs, feeling the air element. The body drawing in the air from the environment, and releasing it back into the environment. And of course our life is inseparably related to the earth, to the air, to the water. So breathing in and breathing out to be conscious of this interconnection, this interdependence that all sentient life has with its immediate environment. In this case for us as human life breathing in and breathing out and feeling that connection with the life around so that we can really understand what non-self-existence means which has been said for generations and generations of spiritual teachers non-self-existence and realize existence co-dependent with not isolated from, not separate from each breath is a reminder of our coexistence instead of our self-existence. And we have paid, and so is the earth, a tragic price for this single misunderstanding of confusing self-existence or substituting self-existence for coexistence. And here we're to realize, just by taking a single breath in, the nature of coexistence. And other times in the day there are walking periods and some small group meetings and food of course and uh, other activities during the time. The timetable uh, goes uh, up. I forgot to look at what time the day starts. Anybody know? Don't ask me, I only teach here. Mm -hmm. eh? Wake up. Wake up at 6 o'clock. Is it? And breakfast is? 7. So it must be 6 p.m. All right. So my good friends here tell me that the wake up is at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. And what, what's next? Sitting 6.15, I think it is 6.15. All right. So apparently it's, you only have a quarter of an... Eh? 
Yes? Right. So the agreement is at 6 o'clock, the first bell of the day goes, and then there's a group uh, sitting at 6.15, and then breakfast is at 7 o'clock. And then the day gets uh, uh, underway. With um, the sitting times, as I mentioned, sitting and uh, being in touch with uh, breathing, after the breakfast tomorrow, there's a work period, and then that's followed by some silence and sharing in the first sitting after breakfast, and I'll speak to you more specifically about that at that time. And the final thing I also uh, wanted to mention to you, that it's rather important and necessary to recognize and appreciate that wherever we are in this world, including being at IMS, it is not just for our own um, self. Not even possible. In so far as you and I, we coexist in this world, that our existence is directly supported and made possible by the countless efforts and suitable conditions from other human beings as well as the environment upon which our existence relies. So in your coming to spend some time here, that means that you receive, as I do, support from the world which I live, we live, and when any changes that come in us, diminishing the forces of egotism, of selfishness and aggression, fear and confusion, looking more deeply into things, not only has benefit for us as, in, as people here, but also and equally significantly for others as well. There's no private world. There's nothing private in this universe. It's all out there. Whether we like it or whether we don't. And so I say spiritual teachings are teachings with, which have no privacy to them, no, nothing of that order. And our capacity in life to share comes with insight. So we're here for others. We're here for the environment. We're here for healing the earth. We're here for the welfare of those near and far. And sometimes when we reflect on that, on the intimacy of life, sometimes it can bring out of us a little bit more vitality in these things, a little bit more energy. So let's give full care to our time here. I ask people, please, of course, with regard to be respectful to the silence. I ask people not to engage in uh, reading, though there's quite a, a useful and extensive uh, library there. And there's much which is of value in the reading world, for sure. But I say, during the time here, if, if you would please to put all of that aside... So to maximize one's being in the world, maximize awareness and mindfulness, and 
not to be absorbing the information from the, the written word. And sometimes people find themselves on numerous occasions during the day going up to the notice board, not because there's any startling love letters on the board or anything, but it's just that one misses reading. There are those who will be reading the small print on the cornflakes boxes <laughs> as to satisfy the addiction. I'm told it's more healthy to eat the box than the cornflakes, but that's another, <laughs> st that's another story. So again, just to be watchful of the movement of mind, the leaning towards the uh, uh, the reading, the tickling of the brain with the written word, the silence and stillness and well-being can come to us as a gift because we've had the courage to put something aside for that to take place. Healing and well-being and liberation in life, enlightenment in life comes as a gift. Let us be free to put aside what we don't need. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony. So let's just have uh, four or five minute meditation together, shall we please? And then we'll call it a day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.